Yeah. And you go to sleep at like seven most days. So you're like super past your bedtime. The sun goes down here at six. I am in bed most days yeah, by eight gets... or nine at the latest. Yeah. Well, you don't have electricity. So yeah. You know, okay. I'm not to. living that primitively. <laughs> Technically, I'm my like... bathroom is outside. Yes. But like, okay, I've got electricity. There's like... no light in the cave. Yeah. You have to. Put the boulder in front of it and hope for the best. Oh, my God. <laughs> hope you survive come uh, daybreak. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Health Unfiltered. My name is Nicole, and I am here with my lovely co-host, which I feel like it's been forever since we've all been together. So long. So how's it going, you two? Hey. Good. Yeah, we missed you on the last one. Yeah, I literally just opened my laptop and clicked the link, and then I was just sitting in front of the screen, and I was like, I don't have a mic on. I don't have my headphones on. Like I have nothing. Like I just forgot how to podcast or something. Ro always likes to act like he's going to read your obituary whenever you're not there. Like <laughs> R.I.P. Our dear friend Nicole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she is no longer with us. The world is a bit darker now without you here. Yeah, God. I would say some nice things, but then like in private, I'd be like, "What? A, what a dick for leaving us." You know. <laughs> That's, that's what I would do. <laughs> Probably. Yes. Whether it was your fault or not, I'd be like, she shouldn't have been there. Mm. Just straight up <laughs> victim blame. It was 1,000% like, mm, her mm, fault. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Ro, don't uh, worry. Crazy. We'll find something nice to say about you. Oh, man. We'll I... dig deep. <laughs> oh, dude, okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. What if we crazy. did a whole episode where we read each other what we would say at each other's funerals? We should do that. I would yeah. cry just laugh the whole time. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be very sad. I don't know. Oh, I don't want to, like, man. accidentally manifest something. <laughs> Let's yeah, be careful. I, I guess. But right. Bro's like, I'm dying in a few years anyways. Look, I, like I've said multiple times, I'm going to live, unfortunately, to be, like, 95 years you old. Will. And You'll be, like, like, the newest, oldest man. man to live. <laughs> just, oh, I'd be upset. I'd just be upset. It's all right. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, are we drinking? I know I'm not drinking. I know Brooke's not drinking. (laughs) Ro, are you drinking? What what are you (laughs) drinking, though? You know, like, do you have any liquid? I am drinking a chamomile tea. Okay, there you go. I had a tea on the last episode, and Brooke about freaked out. Wowie. (gasps) I love that kombucha. I'm so excited I found it up here. It's the that shit is culture good. kombucha. It's culture so good. Culture kombucha. What flavor? In Costa Rica. It's made here. It's um, it's boho flavor. You know, it tastes boho-y. Whatever what you would think a boho vibe would taste like. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm thinking the like butthole of a hobo is what, <laughs> Ew, uh, <laughs> what it tastes like. So no, you are insane. Don't, don't tell me like oh it's boho. I have never thought of a butthole when someone says boho. I it's so close. I think home decor. I think you need to look up boho. Colorful. I think you need to Google boho right I'll now. Google right now. I've never. I've never. Let's do it. Google you know, right now. Soho, noho. Oh, it's a style. You're Free an idiot. Period <laughs> aesthetic. 
<laughs> that mixes different cultures and artistic expressions. Uh-huh. Okay, well, definitely not a hobo. Butthole, I so. love that you said good. that because I just want to know how many people are like, what the hell? Uh, you know what? I'm a different breed, baby. <laughs> oh, we <laughs> know that one for sure. It does have CBD in it, which is like I'm a very doctor relaxing. Now. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Mm. That one was How really much? good. It had a really good flavor. A very small amount. 15 milligrams. <clears throat> oh, yeah. It's not really enough to do much of anything, but it's all right. <laughs> well, I don't really take any CBD products anymore, so, you know. Oh, yeah. You used to take them all the time. That's mm-hmm. right. We had a... I used to take a lot to help me yeah. sleep. Turns out when you start healing your trauma, it helps you sleep. Wow, crazy. Yeah, <laughs> real crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That's good. Uh, I am drinking, I have a, uh, what's it called? Like a Moscow Mule, but it's a, just a <clears throat> mocktail. I don't oh, have any mm-hmm. liquor in it. I just got off of work, and so I was like, I don't have time to, and then I have to do more stuff. So I'm not I don't have time to, to get drunk. Yeah, unfortunately. You're day. out of school now, Ro. Sorry. I know, man. I, it was like 10 o'clock and I was like, why do I have this like need to go out and to go to like a brewery and just kind of like chill out? In the morning? Like, oh, yeah. In the morning. Oh, okay. I was just like, oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> some brewers open up at 10 a.m. In, in Berkey. So I was like, it would have been nice. It was a nice day, but it was like a Tuesday afternoon or something. Or I guess Tuesday morning. And I was like, mm, can't do that anymore. So, mm. yeah. Depressing. It's all right. <laughs> but you have a PhD. There you go. Yeah, I guess. Uh... <laughs> oh my God. Well, we do have a question of the week before we get into this week's topic. So, Ro, this one I guess would be for you. I mean, we can all talk about it, but <laughs> when is it okay or not okay to train when you're sick? Yeah, it's a good question. I think uh, you should never allow your body to rest and you should just like mentally dig deeper uh, when you're sick. Barf David uh, Goggins. (laughs) Yeah. He's going to carry the boats. Now, um, I think, um, yeah, this is a really good question uh, for multiple reasons. And first I'll start with like, you know, uh, what is exercise really? If if you're using it to like, you know, mentally just kind of like, oh, I, I move and it makes me feel better. Like, Great. Then I think that like exercise to you can be like going for a walk, doing something that uh, maybe is like super low volume just to kind of like get in there and move. Um, If you're like, I'm specifically training for something, right? Some sort of adaptation, whether it be strength or uh, hypertrophy, then we kind of have to look at, you know, the, the effect that like being sick and having like high amounts of internal and cellular stress are gonna cause on your ability to adapt so it's like when you're sick you're creating way more noise than your body is used to and so you can train and you're not going to train as hard because you feel like crap and then also what you're going to get from it is probably going to be worse uh, or less because you have your inflammatory system already doing all this other work so no real building blocks are being put down um, and I, I say no real building blocks, like you'll get some, of course, like every time you overcome a stress, you're going to get something, but you have to kind of really look at what's important now. If you are like, Hey, I just have like a cold, I don't feel good. Uh, and I can barely keep my eyes open. Hey, bro, go to sleep. You know, <laughs> like that missing one day is not going to do 
anything to you. And if you, the person that sent me this, um, is consistently sick, uh, a couple times throughout the year, um, to the point where they get knocked out for like a week or two. That says a lot of things because maybe you are like in the red so much and you think that it's normal, but if you're getting sick that many times a year, there's a really good chance that you are overvolumed, overstressed, and for sure under-recovered. And whether that means you're not eating enough, taking care of your stress enough, or you are just like consistently training way too hard, um, you know, that those are questions you have to ask yourself and your coaches and, and whoever, but uh, it's a pretty good sign that you should definitely be taking days off and sleeping when you feel sick and not just like, you know, going balls to the wall. Um, mm -hmm. So that's like my initial answer to, to that. Yeah. I think it's also just coming back to the fact that working out is just one piece of yeah. taking care of your health. And if you're overdoing it and not listening to your body and continuing to just like push through sickness or tiredness or whatever it is, then ultimately like, are you actually even getting all the benefit you could be getting. So yeah, I definitely absolutely. think that ties back to, we have to look at all the pieces of the puzzle. And if that means scaling it back on training or getting a little more sleep, like maybe that's actually what's going to benefit you the most in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Like, you know, more isn't always like, what is it? <clears throat> more isn't always more like mm -hmm. smarter can be more, less can be more. So mm -hmm. definitely yep. like Nicole said, zoom out and see like where your life is messed up in, <clears throat> in a bunch like of ways. More isn't always better. More is just more. Kind yeah. Of thing? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds better than what I said. So, yeah. <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> Put it on a fucking t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Eat the cupcake. Yeah. <laughs> Which definitely leads us into what we're going to be talking about today. And we've talked about it a lot on the podcast, just like how in the wellness world, especially in nutrition and fitness, can get reduced to a rigid list of rules to follow and how almost always this never actually works in helping to create and sustain healthy habits. So today we're actually going to talk about how rigid rules and programs can create distrust with ourselves and our bodies. And we're going to answer some important questions um, that you can ask yourself to begin to identify if you even do trust your body and what helps to strengthen that trust. And then what is working to weaken that trust with you, yourself, your body, because if you're not able to tune in and really even understand what's going on, how are you going to then decide what is best for me today, tomorrow for the rest of my life? So I want to start by asking or reflecting on messaging that we may have received growing up. Um, so Ro and Brooke, if you all have an answer to this, when did you first receive the message that your body could not be trusted or that you needed to have some sort of control over your body? I think back to a really young age where I was told things like, honestly, as early as I can remember of like, well, you just ate or mm. you need to have everything on your plate or you need to do this or that. Like yeah, just really big, early on yeah. that kind of mm -hmm. messaging, you know? And I think that <clears throat> yeah. was probably pretty common, our generation and the generation before. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, and I'll notice that now as adults, like not trying to say that there is one way or another, especially coming from a person who does not have children. I am not a mom. Um, I am not a parent, but I like now that I'm starting to be around more kids, like listening to the language that they have when they say like, I'm full or, you know, I have a baby niece who she'll just like, she'll literally take her tongue and like push her bottle away from her. And we as the adult want to think like, oh, no, she's not done because her bottle's not done. And so I'm trying to also think like, is this something like I could be learning from her of just like, like babies and children are like the greatest example of what like true intuition looks like. And so I think that's a, a really interesting one, Brooke, because that's, a ton, like almost all of us receive that messaging of you have to finish what's on your plate or no, you're not hungry. You can't be hungry. You just ate things like that. Yeah. yeah. We are born with this innate intuition <clears throat> and then we receive all these stories and these messaging that like push us away from that intuition. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's this huge, that life is this huge journey of going back to actually connecting to your own intuition. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my mine, I think, kind of falls within the same. <laughs> Actually, I just, I just remembered this one time I was at my aunt's house and I didn't want to eat mac and cheese. I used to hate it, and she wouldn't let me go play outside <clears throat> with the rest of my cousins. And I sat at the table for like four hours because I was like, I just don't want to eat this. Like, I refuse to eat. I can one hundred percent say so, this. Uh, yeah, so I, I didn't get to go outside and, and play with everyone. I'm sure at some point she let me go after that, but. I just remember being like, I like, I'm not hungry. I don't like this. And, but you know, how much of that is like, uh, same, I don't have kids, right? How mm-hmm. much of that was like me just being stubborn, being like, you said you wanted me to do this. I don't want to do it now. Uh, and how much of it was like, actually like, ah, I'm not hungry and my stomach hurts or whatever. So Ro is truly the person that embodies fuck around and find out. <laughs> like that is your personality. You know, my bless my parents, man. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I was not an easy kid to deal with growing up. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So after you all like received these different messages that made you kind of distrust your body or think that you had to like look to somebody else, um, what ways did you all try to change your body because of that? Or how did this impact the trust you had with yourself like over the years? This is like a big juicy question. Yeah. I think for me, I I think I was like seven or eight when I put myself on my first diet and Mm -hmm. it was supported by some of my parental figures that were in my life and knew about at the time. So I remember trying to change those natural normal responses that I was having to food and going against my intuition because I thought I was too big and I was really young, right? Like who's really too big at seven or eight, you know, you're going through a growing phase. So that really, really impacted me seeing, hearing that messaging and then also seeing other adults in my life and their relationship with their body and the way they Mm talk to their body made me think that I couldn't trust myself and that this is the way. And so that was a really, really big, impactful piece of my journey for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, That kind of made me think, I, I, I think that that we're talking about like parental messaging and stuff. 
my dad, um, well, both my parents grew up like, you know, pretty, pretty poor. Uh, so when my dad finally started like making money and had the ability to like eat and stuff, he was like, Oh, there's food here. I'm going to eat it all. I paid for this. Right. And I remember there was, I don't remember like where we were out when it was, but he had this thing that was like, he did not like, and he was still eating. I was like, why are you still eating it? He's like, well, I paid for this. I'm not going (laughs) to not eat it. Right. And I think that like, you know, that, that kind of brought itself into, into my life, uh, pretty early just because like I hated working I hated making you know minimum wage when I was 14 15 and then I was like well I spent my money on this thing like I have to finish it like even Mm -hmm. if I'm not hungry anymore I don't want to eat it um and that's like kind of it's you know it's different but I it's also like not right because it's kind of the things that I remember from growing up um but I also you know I, I think that rightfully so we talk about how females are marketed to um preyed upon way more in the in the industry but like from my uncles and stuff i got a lot of like you have no muscle you're smaller blah 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 and so as a young male right you're like oh i have to like (laughs) i have to get like skinnier and have these bulging muscles i'm gonna start like training whatever that means right I remember like I would just do like push-ups and stuff and think that was fine. And back then it might have been, but like now if I did like 10 push-ups or a hundred push-ups in a day, but like I'm just wasting my fucking time. Um, but that's also something that like I think is is very um like prevalent in in like a male's life is that like you're growing up, you're seeing these superheroes that are like big and strong, you're seeing your uncles, uh dads who are like bigger in stature and everything and you're like oh i have to eat and work and exercise to like be a man one day and so like whether that's you know negatively impacted my life or not i don't know i guess we'll tell at the end of the story (laughs) but uh you know that that's like messaging that that we get as males is like Mm -hmm. you gotta you gotta be strong you gotta be big you gotta eat so yeah and i love how like Brooke kind of she you mentioned more of like this direct messaging from family members parental figures like people around you and then Ro I feel like you're kind of touching on those indirect messaging which is all like in the media which is like nowadays like we didn't grow up with social media so I can't even imagine like how much more amplified it is of you know that indirect messaging comes from like what we see. And when there's this one specific like look, especially when it comes to like health and fitness advertised and you don't fit into that, that square, like you don't fit into that um, description. You're like, Oh, well, where does that leave me? And then you think that you have to change your body to fit that image when really the image needs to include more bodies. It needs to include more descriptors because like health is not just one look. And so I think it's really interesting how we just like we intake that for so much of like especially like our early years and then all the work it takes to like undo that that messaging like unlearning. Yeah. Yeah. The amount of like 16 year old, I almost said men, (laughs) uh, boys 
who are like, yeah, like, when can I start like jumping on testosterone and stuff? Mm-hmm. And should I do it? And it's like, you're 16. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Like, I didn't start thinking steroids until I was like 20. But that's because like, you start <laughs> exercising, you're like, oh, man, like, it'd be way cooler. But like, there are people who legitimately will start getting on TikTok, social media at 13, 14, 15, whatever. And then like, they've just been fed huge freak unnatural muscle development and they're like i could i could do that and then they just start running cycles Mm -hmm. and stuff so yeah that's uh that's crazy Mm -hmm. yeah and then it it comes down to like okay is this even about health anymore because how how is that promoting anybody's well-being it's not it actually makes me kind of sad I mm-hmm. honestly, I think we have to be really, really careful about who and where we consume information from mm-hmm. because whether or not you think you're absorbing it, like you are, you're hearing the messaging, you're hearing the words. And I think that that would be like, I guess a good thing if you're listening to this podcast and you can see how those things are happening. I would just be really careful. You don't need to follow a whole bunch of people on social media just because you're curious. Like trim it down and be really intentional about the type of messaging you're receiving. Even if it's just a quick scroll and you're flicking that thumb, like, you know, making, working it out, um, you're absorbing all those things. And I think it's kind of sad, especially because I think as youth, we're so influenced by peer pressure and like what other people are doing in their experience. I can imagine it's super hard to sift through. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely trim down who you're following because it can get really overwhelming and really confusing. And then that's just building more distrust with yourself. Like the main message here is to, we don't need to look at all those external messaging or factors we can look internally and it's all right there like you can trust your body and you can trust that you know what you need and then of course there's absolutely mentors practitioners whoever out there that can support you in that so that's super important part um how would you both say that your relationship with yourself and your body has changed over the years I would say mine definitely got worse before it got better. And I think a lot of it just had to go with Story age of life, huh? and experience, you know, like mm-hmm. um, it's changed a lot, a lot, a lot. And I do think like I know we're sitting on here and we're all health professionals and like this is our job, but I'm still in evolution. Like I am still in process mm-hmm. and I'm still learning to trust myself and to listen to my body every single day. And so I think that was also a big thing that helped me. Like there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing broken. It's rather like this is going to be my journey of life. And um, I'm really proud of the relationship I have with my body now. It's the best it's ever been. And yet I know that I still need to keep learning to trust myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, Yeah, I, I think I, I mean, same, right? I, I think all of us have to be like, yeah, it was terrible and now it's getting better. It's just how we learn, unfortunately, as, as humans. Um, yeah, I think my my relationship has really come from so many of the like uh, injuries that, that I've sustained and stuff. So it's it's never really been about like the the food aspect for me. It's more been like, hey, we can do whatever the hell we want. We are built to to last and I've lasted for sure. But like, did I have to have, you know, like, 
years of physical therapy and then like a back surgery or could I have just been like, hey, you know what would be really nice if you just took a step back for like a couple months and reevaluated things instead of being like, no, you 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 know how you don't break. You just like keep bending and you keep bending. And uh, the human body, unfortunately, at some point will break, right? Like as all things will. So I think that like that's been the biggest change for me has been like, yeah, I am. I'm I think I'm a lot stronger now than I was, you know, when I was younger. Uh I'm 30, yikes. Uh, but like when I was like 20 and stuff, when I could warm up with the bar, 135, 225, 315, and then get into working sets. And now I'm like, okay, I got it for 10 minutes. I got to, you know, like, I got to really get this dynamic warm up going and da da da. And it's like, yeah, it's fucking lame, but it also allows me to feel better. And like, I'm stronger in a lot of ways as opposed to just being able to squat X amount or just being able to deadlift X amount. Um, and so, for me, like that's been a, a huge battle because I am someone who, when I decide to do something, I'm just kind of like, that's it. Like all my focus is there and I've learned to like peel back and listen and be like, okay, like my back has not felt good for a couple of days. Is it because I'm sitting? Is it because I'm doing too much? And then kind of like, all right, well, how can I still lift and do what I want to do and not blow myself up? And most times <laughs> it's like, you know, decreasing load and volume. Uh, or switching to unilateral work. So you're like limiting your volume anyway, um, but still being able to go and like train and do what I need to do. Um, and another thing I thought about was I was at the bar, uh, I don't know, a couple of days ago, and I had paid for this beer uh, and it was like getting late towards the night and I just didn't want any more. And I left it. And like that in itself was like trust and growth, right? Because I could have been like, oh, I paid for this. I don't want it. But and we're like, here, let me just like bomb it. And but it's like, if, if you're not going to enjoy the next half or three quarters or like even that next drink, I'm like, why, why are you drinking it? You know, or if like you're going to pound it and then like go home and like go to sleep, like what is what is the point there? So, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely <clears throat> been like, a you know, first you crash and burn and, and I've learned to kind of rise from my ashes i'm having my phoenix era i guess um, but like <laughs> but yeah i mean that's those are like the, the two biggest ways that i think i've grown is like knowing when to rest and then knowing that like hey you did pay for this and like or you did get it but like you you're not like there's abundance in my life so this is not like the last time i'll ever have a beer or food mm -hmm. or whatever so yeah i don't have to treat it like that yeah that's a super important reminder and I will definitely um, come behind you and just say, like, injury will absolutely teach you so much about your body. So freaking much, And man. when you dive into the process of, like, healing an injury, I feel like you you become, like, so intimate and in tune with your body because you truly have to listen. Like, you have to learn <laughs> yeah. what it actually means to brace your core and to, like have proper form or whatever or like engage them like I feel like when we even talk about engaging muscles like people like don't even know what that means and then sure. when you actually start to feel those things you're like oh like that's what it feels like yeah. and it just it really helps build that really strong relationship with you and your body because then again you also get to see like how resilient you are which I love um what would y'all say is like a message 
that like a really prevalent message that people may be hearing right now um, that is creating distrust with them and their bodies that is like utter bullshit. The first one that comes to mind is intermittent fasting. <laughs> Have you been on Instagram lately? <laughs> <laughs> Everything. That's right. so true. <laughs> Yeah, I, I go ahead, Brooke. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean, I that's She's it. Like, like, that's it. Just intermittent intermittent fasting. Fasting. I just think it's kind of well. It's, I think it's bullshit for a lot of reasons because I care much more about hormone health and supporting the nervous like, system. Like apoptosis. Like, yeah. No, I, oh, I'm over it. <laughs> I um, know, right? so, <laughs> so, so aside from like intermittent fasting causing distrust because of the fact that you have to follow like this eating window. What are the other harms that it's causing? Well, it's definitely impacting your circadian rhythm and your cortisol because it's all tied to like this wake and sleep signals and food is one of them. Food and sunlight are are big ones. So it's already disrupting this like really important stuff. Mm -hmm. And then once we start messing with our nervous system and cortisol, like you can kiss your hormone health goodbye. (laughs) Um, And this is really, really important for women, especially when we're of you know, fertile age. They have done some some research in postmenopausal women uh, that I don't know enough about, quite honestly. But you know, if we're of a fertile age and we're messing with all these things, like I just don't get it. And I don't know about y'all, but I like food. Don't tell me I right. can only eat it from twelve to six. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. <laughs> I have never been a rule follower, so this just will not hey, you're work for me. me. I didn't eat mac and cheese for four hours, and I still caught the play. <laughs> Ro was on a freaking hunger strike. That's when I started intermittent fasting. I was like, "I'll fast, so I don't have to do this." Uh, no, I, I agree with that, and I think even from like a, I think from a performance standpoint, right? Like, yeah, all that is rooted in in health hormones, uh, nervous system regulation, and, and hormonal regulation, but like. A lot of people don't think about like what that does throughout the rest of the day. And and yes, I think most people are like smart enough to be like, okay, when I do IF, at least I'm going to eat before my training and then after like, great. Okay, fine. But like, again, we can only like adapt to like the amount of stress that we have. And if you are like hungry and underfed and and like, yeah, maybe you're hitting your quote unquote calories for the day and like you are fed, but it's not within like the whole regulation of the system, then you are not like optimizing the the signals to adapt. So mm-hmm. now it's like, yeah, okay, you're, you're not as hungry and maybe you feel better and like whatever, but like, do you feel better because you started eating a little less shitty or do you feel better because you're not eating for 16 hours? Like a lot of things to think about. And most times it's because you stop eating a little less shitty, you know, and not that you like starve yourself for, for 16 hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of my uh, big pet peeves with nutrition research is like, they'll come up with all these conclusions and I'm like, but what were these people eating like before? Because if you right. just clean up their diet, just generally start trying to change things from less processed to more whole foods, right? That's what I mean when I say that term, they're going to feel a whole lot better. It doesn't really mm-hmm. matter the macro split or like I get I a lot of nutrition research kind of gets under my skin. Yeah, that's that's just research though, right? Like it's the same with like exercise. Like, oh, like what kind of exercise like is better for type one diabetics, type two diabetics, type two all this stuff, right? And it's like research can only answer one thing at a time, right? Like if it's a good research uh, question, 
And so, yeah, but then it answers that and it says like, cool, we're done. And so, yeah, your job as a, as a practitioner is to be like, and someone who like knows how to read research, right, is like, okay, this answers that. Now let me like apply it. And it's not just like, yeah, like we shouldn't be having nuts or eggs or whatever because it's got a lot of cholesterol and blah, blah, blah. So uh, that kind of feeds into the messaging that I think is terrible right now. It's like there's like, there's that really good reel that I think we all like pass to each other months back where it's like, this guy's like, oh, ton of you on Instagram. And he's like eating eggs. And then it like flashes to a video like, this is why eggs are bad. And okay, stops eating eggs, starts eating <laughs> yeah. something else. This is why yogurt's bad. And like everyone makes, not everyone, right? These people that want clicks, want engagement, or don't know what they're talking about. They say one thing that like red meat is bad, no context. And what does that do? It gets people to comment you're wrong gets people to comment you're right Mm -hmm. increases engagement and then it just blows up and the people that don't know better are like oh okay i'll just never have red meat again and then you know have a fallout from that whether it's like mentally physically they're like oh i'm tired all the time like yeah you got no iron ma'am like what, what are you talking about uh, and so like, that's, that's the messaging for me. That's like always super annoying. I love to laugh at it. Cause I'm like, how can you be this dumb? Right. But then you realize that so many people aren't, they're not dumb. They're just ignorant. They don't know what they don't know. And you know, whether you can fault them for that or not is a different conversation. But like, if you don't know anything and this person who you are told is a prevalent figure in the space and knows what they're talking about, says something and you're like, cool, that I can trust that source. And then like, that's your life for forever or until you decide to start following someone else. Yeah. It's also I mean, hard. It's also hard on social media, even the things we say to like get a point across in 60 to 90 seconds. So if you yeah, ever know, right? hear something on social media where you're like, I don't understand how to apply this, just DM us and ask. Yeah. Because like sometimes it's a little hard to communicate something in that framework in the first place. Yeah, how do I put 12 years of experience into 60 seconds? Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> right. And that's what I was going to say, Ro. Like, you just mentioning, like, you don't know what you don't know. Obviously, like, the three of us have this great amount of privilege because we have this very extensive background in exercise and nutrition. Like, we went to school for a really long time. We do continuing ed and all these different things. Like, of course, like, we know a lot because we we're able to go to school and learn it. And the average person is not going to know all these things. So it's very, very easy, um, especially with social media nowadays, for things to get very confusing and overwhelming. Okay, so when you all, like now that you feel like this relationship with yourselves and your bodies like are evolving and you do have this trust or you're building this trust, what are the main characteristics that you all associate with trust? Ooh, I think for me, man, this is a tough question. I would say that I have to listen and tune into my body more. I have a tendency to just like not do that. And I override it and I go, go, go and I do things and I check off the list and I'm just ignoring whatever my body's communicating with me. So I think like for me, that looks like slowing down and tuning Mm -hmm. into how my body is feeling more. And it tells Mm -hmm. me like it 
physical sensations it tells me kind of thing. Is that what you mean? Yeah. So like when you think about trust, you think about slowing down, you think about being intentional, things like that. Like if I, if I were to ask you to describe a trusting relationship, what would you say that looks like? Oh, definitely slowing down, being intentional, like actually listening and responding to what I'm hearing Mm-hmm. and like honor honoring that and I mean I think it applies in relationship with anyone else or your body right yeah and I think yeah. that's important because I think we think that we can only show that intention or slowness or um like reliability towards other people and we forget that we can reflect those same characteristics back to ourselves yeah 100 yeah it's that's a that's a good point it's like yeah, I I think we're all guilty of this, right? Where you're like, you tell your client not to do this thing, and then you're like, but I'm I'm a little different this time. I'm gonna go ahead and do that, right? <laughs> like same same thing. Uh, but I agree. I just I know that definitely I'm the same. Where I'm like, hey, if you're not, I looked at all everything. You should probably tone it down this week. And they're like, okay, because I pay you and I trust you, and mm-hmm. you know what you're talking about. And there are times where I'm like. I don't know, maybe we can push to next week and uh, I can just like still keep going this week. And it's like, well, if I, on those those weeks where I'm like, hey, like we have to think, and this fits into Brooke's answer, but also your question of like, what does trust look like? It's also thinking about like down the road, right? Like I don't want to invest a trusting relationship with people where I'm like, look, if this is like, we're going to, talk and be friends or cordial for like a couple weeks and like doesn't matter to me I I don't really care but if it's like hey you're one of my people now and I want a a life of friendship and trust and everything then I'm going to think about how this might affect you know our relationship down the road and and it's the same way how I think about myself like well if I go now and I know that like next week I might be moving or have a lot of travel, then like this is going to mess that stuff up and I need to be smart about that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. I think like the things that I think about when I think about trust is I think about feeling safe. I think think about not feeling like judged. And I also think about like reliability and just like truly being able to rely on whoever. And so I like to think about how can I like reflect that back towards myself and it's really helpful to think on like all the things that my body does for me when and I don't even have to think about it. <laughs> like I don't have to tell my body to like breathe for me or go to sleep for me. Like it's just like my body knows how to like wind down in the evenings and I get a good night's rest. It also knows how to wake me up in the mornings and all while doing that, it's also like pumping breath into my lungs and like my heart's beating and all that stuff. So I feel like that's a really cool like reflection too. What are some of y'all's favorite practices that help you strengthen the relationship that you have with yourself? I would say for me, my morning practice has become a really important where I'm carving out that time for like almost like a date for myself to take care of myself instead of just launching into emails and clients and what my family needs. Like I'm actually giving myself space first 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's been really, really impactful for me. And of course, like what I do with my morning, you know, like I'm connecting in some way. I'm usually doing breath work, meditation, journaling. I'm like actually really using that space to tune in to what's real and alive for me right now in this moment. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Uh, I love that too. Sorry. I was, <laughs> I'm just like, do I love that? No. I, uh, I, mine is, I think it's a, it's the same thing just in, in a different way, right? I, uh, when, when I think about like my most impactful or, um, times in my life where I'm just like absolutely getting it and, and things are clicking and everything. It's when I have my phone alarm set up on in a different room so that when I wake up, I'm up, I'm already out of bed and now it's time to go like, well, it's time to eat my crispy. It's time to get to work and like (laughs) crush it at the gym. And for me, like that's, my time and and I I love waking up and going to lift or I I mean I don't love waking up and doing cardio or I love waking up and doing like bullshit mobility that I have to be doing that because it's good for me but like it it's just when I don't do those things the rest of my day kind of feels off and I'm like oh I slept in or I spent a lot more time unfocused and so like the practice for me is waking up getting after it and like going to the gym and and feeling strong and able and sometimes not as strong as I would like right but at least I got up and I like checked my box right and I think a lot of people will do that with I don't know I heard some motivational speaker or something one time say like you gotta make your bed first thing in the morning because then it means that like you've done one thing and I'm like that's fucking lame right but if it works for you that's awesome for me my thing is getting up and like lifting so that I can continue to do things throughout the day. Um, and same, I guess it's like my date with myself. It's less introspective and it's more just like screaming and loud noises in my head. And I'm like, yeah, this is peaceful. Uh, mm-hmm. But for sure, that's that's mine. And then I've been, especially since I've been like, you know, working remote, I don't have the stress of like my PhD and stuff anymore. It's like I have time to go on walks and soak in the sun and like be outside instead of just like, staring at a screen for 12 hours um i'll be i'll be interested to see how things change come spring training and like when baseball actually picks up but i think i would be really hard pressed to be like i don't have 10 minutes to to go on a walk like come on you know it's Mm -hmm. 10 minutes um but yeah so those are things like that build trust for me that are practices for my relationship with myself where it's like get up go to gym and then walk when you need to Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love what you mentioned, Brooke, of just how it's so easy to say yes to everybody else and forget to like fill your own cup first. And so I think that definitely ties back with mine of I want to sh- like I want to follow through with myself. Like if I can't even rely on me to show up for me, like how am I going to how is anybody else supposed to ever like you know, show I up love for that. you. <laughs> I love or, that. Or how, and like, and how is that going to impact how you are able to show up for others? Because mm-hmm. it is, it is going to impact. Like you think that, oh, I'm just being selfless and I'm putting all these other people before myself. Like actually it's negatively impacting how you're showing up for them too. Yes. Um, because your cup isn't full. You can't, you can't pour from an empty cup. Yes. And 
my schedule has also changed in like the last six weeks and I have started getting up and working out in the mornings. And at first I thought I was going to hate it, but because like that's a habit that I love and it means so much to me, it's like, it's been awesome to like get that done and just know I've done that for myself for the day because I promise like there's going to be a million things that pop up throughout every single day and you're going to find every reason in the book to put yourself off. Maybe that's why I love it because it's like mm-hmm. I've served my, myself before I've served. Like nobody else. else has grabbed at you yet. <laughs> yeah. Like nobody else is like, bro, I need this from you. Or they haven't. I've been like, I'm going to ignore that until I'm Right, <laughs> after because I'm it's six o'clock right? in the morning and I don't have to respond to you. Like I could be asleep. I know. <laughs> Working on East Coast time is pretty terrible. I wake up and I'm like, how do I have emails and Slack messages already? But, <laughs> you know, once we're in the same time zone, it'll be better. But yeah, yeah. I, I love that you said that. That spoke really like to a special part that I that you I clapped. hold with myself and yeah yeah I mean and that was that was Standing genuine ovation. I was like yeah I was like sitting here like my Yay, and stuff but bro is happy. you know proud. well like we've I I've preached so many times like I before we we before all and I think that's like really what we're saying is that like you have to take care of yourself <laughs> before you take care of anyone else and it like zoning out was like oh that's what we all do in our mornings it's like mm-hmm. we have our our whatever we think is like our alone time however we connect with ourselves and the world and whatever. And then from there, it's like, okay, time to get to work or Mm -hmm. do whatever it is that we need to do. So, yeah. I've loved this. Thank you for having this woo-woo conversation with me, especially you, Ro. Um, Come on. I would have loved to have seen how that would have gone if it had just been me and you. I think it would have been – we would have actually had to delete it. I don't (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think, you know, we haven't had like any sort of like disagreement. I wasn't like, oh, this I just is stupid. I think you would be like, um, what? <laughs> I feel like as woo-woo as it might be, this is like the number one foundation of like any health habit, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. because it's all about prioritizing yourself and trusting yourself and putting mm-hmm. yourself, like putting yourself first yeah. is like the key if you're actually mm-hmm. going to pursue genuine health. Yeah. And then it's just like throwing away all of those, like I said in the beginning, like all of those rules and all of that messaging that you've just been intaking and like blindly following, like truly sit with yourself and ask what is important to you and begin to build that trust little by little in the way that you show up for yourself by doing habits that you actually want to do. Like if you... (laughs) Don't want to do intermittent fasting, please stop doing it. Yeah. <laughs> because it's probably like, not even sucks. helping you. Yeah. <laughs> like things oh like that. God. It's just like there's a million things out there in the world right now that is screaming at you, you should do this, you should do this. Um, and ninety-five percent of them are bullshit. So Yes. Don't do your taxes, people. <laughs> Definitely do those. Don't listen. Yeah, do that. I'm I'm mainly talking about the toxic wellness culture things. A hundred percent agree. Jessica's getting a little too serious, a little too deep. Had to pull it out. Oh God. (laughs) No, I love it. I love you. Thank you for having this conversation with us. Yeah. It was great. All right, y'all. Well, we all are currently accepting clients. Ro is the master of all things exercise and performance. I am a non-diet dietitian helping you know your body better and trust your body so you can feel better through nutrition and lifestyle support. Brooke and her wonderful team at West Nutrition Co. specialize in taking a holistic approach to solving digestive and hormonal symptoms by using 
specialized lab testing. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram at health unfiltered pod and keep those awesome questions of the week coming. Please rate us, share us and leave a review whenever you can, um, wherever you get your podcasts and that's it. That's a, it. That's a wrap. <laughs> Cue us out, Brooke. Oh my god. Cue goodness. that music. Ah, peace out, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. Every time. <laughs>